Henry Hawk turns 80, and HBO Max's new CEO, David Zaslav, had a emergency meeting to discuss monetary optimization of HBO Max, including destroying HBO Max. So, of course, you realize this means podcast. <laughs> Are you ready, eager young space cadets? Meep, meep. Where's the kaboom? There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. Hello, and welcome to Of Course You Realize This Means Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Graves, and with me today are two guests. My wife, who you have known from other episodes, such as the Valentine's Day episode and episode where we talked about our review of King Tweety, as well as diving deep into the Looniverse. And today, it is my pleasure to bring on Adam Lavick from Heroes Reforged. Uh, hi, guys. How are you doing? Great. How are you guys doing? Yo! Doing good. Doing, doing good. good. Awesome. So, yes, as I mentioned in the intro, we have a lot to discuss as far as the Discovery and Warner Brothers acquisition and the whole merger just becoming its own problem across <laughs> every avenue you can think of. Oh, boy. Meanwhile, Ezra Miller is still out there committing crimes. <laughs> oh, boy. We're going to get into it. It's going to get spicy. <laughs> but first, we're going to have a little celebration because Looney Tunes is not doing anything about this. <laughs> I am the only person who cares, apparently. But Henry Hawk is turning 80 this year because his first appearance in any cartoon was the Squawking Hawk in... 1942, the same year as Tweety, yet Tweety's getting the whole red carpet treatment. I don't know. I love Henry Hawk. He's a really great foil for a Foghorn Leghorn later in his cartoon career. And we're going <laughs> to Oh, we're that's start... who that is. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to start with his first appearance from the Chuck Jones short and writer Michael Maltese brought to us this wonderful little pugilistic young chicken hawk who is wanting to eat chicken instead of a little worm a little helpless worm and the worm is so thankful i love it <laughs> i don't want no dinner but junior dear it's good for you share what share what i don't want it but junior you must eat your dinner come now dear and what does my little man want for his dinner uh, what did you guys think of this short? To be totally honest, I have not gone back on HBO Max to binge watch all of the Looney Tunes stuff. Yeah. And there is so much of it. And so I was actually really excited about going in and watching this short because I have not watched Looney Tunes, any sort of Looney Tunes cartoon, movie or anything in years. Nice. And sitting down watching this, and it's such an easy watch, you know, I think it's like six minutes long. Yeah. It was so fun and so funny. And I think I've like completely forgotten just how entertaining Looney Tunes cartoons were growing up as a kid. Like I have a love for them, for Bugs and for Daffy and for all those characters. Tiny Toon Adventures was huge when I was yes. a kid. But I think I really just forgot as, as an adult just how much, how entertaining those things are as well. Because, you know, sometimes you 
you revisit something and you're like, man, I haven't seen this in three decades, two decades or whatever. And it really, I, I watched this one and I was like, I really should just sit and binge all of these because they probably are super hilarious and super funny. They really are. Yeah. And they do hold the test of time. It's so great to hear you say that because a lot of people out there do forget how great these classic Looney Tunes cartoons are. And yeah, with the resurgence, like it's so easy to forget the originals, but yeah, it's really worth it to go back and watch them. Definitely. Now that you mentioned that uh, Henry Hawk was a foil to Foghorn Leghorn, I recalled <laughs> all of a sudden all the like ones where he just trolls him. So, okay. <laughs> my my of reference was like, I recognize this character, but I, I've I'd never seen uh, the debut of the character until uh, that night. And I thought it was adorable. It was very like kids won't eat their veggies sort of uh energy and yeah um it was fun but i <laughs> that's who that is <laughs> like, now i'm like oh i know them yeah and just like the 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 sass that this character has is so great and then when the chickens like the full-grown chickens show up you know he's turns from sass and then he's just like completely terrified and is like not you know not confident at all and starts running away and i'm like this is great this is so funny yeah, it totally reminds me of of kids you know neglecting to eat their vegetables and always going against their mother's word and all that sort of stuff and being mischievous and getting into trouble i, I thought that was so charming and so fun about that short totally and you know the the antagonist is this other rooster who is going after henry because henry's after his wife and yeah. you know the problem about eating this chicken is that she has a husband <laughs> Which on paper is just so, so funny. funny and wild. <laughs> Chicken yeah. wick. <laughs> Chicken wick. <laughs> I feel like that should be an Animaniacs like interstitial or something like that. Oh man, that's so funny. That would be so great. I would watch that. I, I loved how it starts where he's like, he goes to bed without dinner and he's like, fine, I'll I'll just starve. And then he starts dreaming of these sheep and these sheep turned to chickens, <laughs> <laughs> like oven roasted chickens. Like they're already based and everything. He's like ready to Funny. go down. And, uh, and yeah, and then they just disappear. I thought that was really well done and executed, you know, like in classic cartoons, you, you never know how like the transparency works because mm -hmm. they're cell animated. And then you have like the right. multiplane photography going on. So you, like disappearing things is hard. And I felt that they really pulled it off on this specific moment, like really well. Yeah, I've never, I've to be totally honest, now that you brought that up, I've never even thought about that. Mm -hmm. And now I like want to see a documentary or a video that breaks that down because I'd be super curious to see how, how they do that. I was yeah. just watching Light and Magic and mm -hmm. I know it's different because it's visual effects, but you get to see the process of how they photochemically print all of these assets onto film and then put them on top of each other and then basically make cutouts of stuff, you know, using Luma mats and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, you think about animation, animation in some sense is also doing the same thing. They're putting every individual piece on different sheets and then photographing everything on top of each other. Yeah. And I'm like, this is so fascinating to see how, how all of this works. I've never even thought about doing a transparency, like how you photograph that. I have literally no clue. Same. <laughs> it looks hard. It sounds hard, but yeah. they pulled it off in a seamless fashion. Like you don't even think about it. And that is the beauty of the art of animation and mm -hmm. the team at Termite Terrace that, that created this. Um, 
another segment that I really liked was when uh, Hazel, the wife, the chicken that Henry's after, uh, whacks her husband on the head and he just like plummets <laughs> into the earth. <laughs> and then he gets up and he's like all dizzy and he goes, thank you, Hazel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love like the nonsensical physical comedy of the Looney Tunes that yeah. just is like that slapstick makes no sense, but you feel it like it works totally yeah i that's i think I, I think those were some of the parts that part in particular that i was like oh yeah this was a huge part of the looney tunes cartoons growing up that was like the big moment of pure laughter and fun and yeah just i think that it was one that was one of the moments that made me realize i really need to go back and rewatch this stuff because just seeing that moment triggered memories in my head yeah. of other episodes and even things outside of Looney Tunes that I see where they use those types of moments to really like get the laughter out of you. And it still works it does. just seeing those characters go through that and then them getting up and some of them, you know, will have stars around their head. Like it's just so silly and so fun. And yeah, it's like, it's, it is one of those really great moments. Their lasting legacy totally. on all of animation and comedy is un- unmistakable. Like whenever, mm-hmm. like as you're saying, like whenever you see um, any type of physical violence that is done to, you know, the nth degree of like, oh, that would have been murder had it been live action. <laughs> but it's so funny uh, to to see it animated with chickens. I think that is a, a lasting mark on on humanity that they left, and uh, we're grateful. And for it's it. such a signature of Looney Tunes. Yeah. Um, Jonathan and I were like driving to like run errands or something and i had seen um a wily coyote um like silhouette like whenever he you know gets pushed into like rock or something and he just like gets plowed through and it's you just see the outline of wily coyote mm-hmm. and i had seen this on a car and it and then i was like oh like a wily coyote so i was obviously we'll point things out to jonathan like looney tunes right and then he was like was it on a like a dent and i was like yes and he was like it's a thing like People are putting these wily coyote silhouettes on their dented cars. And oh it's, my it's god! Genius. Instead of fixing them, yeah, they're they're like, let's go find a decal of the silhouette of wily coyote and just slap it on there. It's like a badge of honor. That's incredible. Yeah, I'm gonna keep that in the back of my head, and if God forbid something happens, but hey, you never know. <laughs> it's LA. Yeah, just you know, go find a wily coyote silhouette. That's so funny. And then the last thing I wanted to mention on this short um, visually was that the emotional journey that this worm goes through of being in this spoon and, you know, like signing his last will and testament and really feeling like this is it. And then just the emotional trauma. My God. I don't know how he can like live after this. Like, I mean, he has to like bury himself deep, deep within the earth and never show out and show his head again. Because, yeah, it was very traumatic for him. But he kisses Henry whenever Henry rejects eating him, at, even at the very end, even after mm-hmm. he didn't get the chicken. And he saw how hard it would be to go after fowl like that. He is still, yeah. like, wanting chicken over this worm. And the worm is just so thankful and just gives him a big smooch on the on the beak. And then a little heart comes over. <laughs> it's it's brilliant. I was almost, I was almost expecting... 
that the mother was going to go, okay, you don't want it. And then she was going to eat the worm. And then I would have been like, oh my God. But that's just how my twisted brain is. I'm like, <laughs> I want there to be some mayhem in this. Eat the oh, worm. Eat you the definitely worm. need to watch some of the, the newer Looney Tunes cartoons. Yeah. They go to some places that are just oh, Adam, really, no idea. really violent <laughs> and really dark. Um, I mean, I think they've always been violent and dark, but like, yeah, this is done in this like a modern sensibility that yeah, yeah. is, it just like ups the ante on on some of like the grim aspects of the Looney Tunes. Sounds like my jam. I'm definitely that person when I'm watching something. I'm like, are you gonna take it to a ten? Are you gonna ride? Are you gonna ride somewhere in the five to six range? If you take it to a ten, I might be more into this. You know, Jonathan, it's like you can just Prey. send him the tens. Yeah, I'm gonna send you the. I'm gonna send you the twelves and thirteens. Oh, perfect. Yeah, because we're watching Prey with the other guys, and the other guys are like, "Oh my god!" And I'm over here like, "Yes, more, more." Side note: Prey is incredible. Is. Go yes. watch Prey on Hulu. Go watch Prey on Hulu. So, um, as I mentioned, th- there was one more thing I wanted to discuss, but it wasn't a visual thing. The original voice actor for Henry Hawk was a kid by the name of Kent Rogers. Super, really awesome, badass superhero name, by the way. <laughs> um, he was a vocal artist who did incredible celebrity impressions, which you can see on display, in full display, on Hollywood Steps Out, which is a short that came out in 1941, a year before this. He also started uh, the character of Woody Woodpecker. He was the original voice of Woody Woodpecker as well. And he tragically lost his life in a training accident uh, during the war um, in Florida. Um, And he was, it was 22 days before his 21st birthday. And that's how young he was. Looney Tunes as a whole actually retired the character of Beaky Buzzard because they didn't want anybody stepping in that role because he was so good at it. Wow. And Beaky Buzzard, if you don't know, is one of the characters uh, that actually beats Bugs Bunny. Mm -hmm. This was a big deal. And so he had this Henry Hawk character and it, like, you can tell, like, he's very energetic. He's very, like, boisterous. He goes after, like, these big game. And, you know, he's, like, speaking above his above his size. Um, but that's what Kit Rogers brought to the table was, like, this overwhelmingly sense of energy and, and excitement and and uh, just, like, gruffness, uh, even though mm-hmm. he was a kid. So RIP to Kent Rogers. Uh, but I just want to give a shout-out to, to him. And then uh, Mel Blank took over the voice for those interactions between Foghorn Leghorn and Henry Hawk later on. And uh, yeah, it's just, you know, a really fun character that I think we should celebrate more. But, you know, speaking of hawks, I also wanted to point out that a chicken hawk is not committing cannibalism if they eat a chicken. That was one of the things that came up on my social media. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so That's hilarious. Uh, to, to go into some facts about hawks, uh, there are three species of North American hawks. Cooper's hawk, the sharp-shinned hawk, and the red-tailed, primarily... Uh, they eat birds and sometimes chickens, uh, rodents, and rabbits and small pets. So if you see a hawk, keep your small pet away. Uh, yes, <laughs> this is like my irrational fear that's not so irrational. Um, I have a friend who uh, actually has like a vest because they have a, a backyard that actually can have their dogs in. Um, and they have one of those vests with all those like spikes and stuff. So it's meant oh. to be like if a hawk were to swoop down or an owl, uh, they wouldn't be able to clutch on anything. Oh, wow. 
Yeah. See, so this is how you know I'm not a I'm thing. not a I'm not a parent or a dog owner. I'm like, oh, <laughs> interesting. I didn't even know those things exist. <laughs> the things you learn when you uh, have a little one to t- take care of, whether they yeah, are right? a pet or, or just watch some cartoons and then do some googling. <laughs> there you go. So from one hawk to another, let's talk about David Zaslav who's swooping in and... Oh! <laughs> Ooh, I'm going to take a little sip of my wine for that one. Ooh, man. Destroying something that has been built up since the beginning of, you know, Warner Brothers coming on the scene of streaming. And there are a lot of people out there who think that HBO Max is a really, even a superior version of the streaming platform opposed to Disney or Hulu or these other companies and I would agree with them. I think HBO Max is at the top tier of it. It's not only a user-friendly platform, the interface is really intuitive. One of my favorite things about HBO Max is you can go into the different settings of what is leaving HBO Max and what is um, what it was just added. And they do that every month. And it's very simple to find. And it, what it does is it presents you the catalog of Warner Brothers in a whole new way. It's not just a, like, here's what's on the homepage for you to watch. It's what is in our catalog that we can present to you that you may not know is in our catalog. And I think that is really fun. So let's get into it. David Zaslav is quoted as saying, Our ambition is to bring Warners back and produce great, high-quality films. This all felt like the monkey paw wish to me because I was like, yeah, cinema, let's make movies like worth going to in a theater again. But then it just it, it backfired. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Well, you know, you know, it's like, you know, like think the, the toughest part, I think, about these earnings calls is that yeah. they're earnings calls. But sure. because it's a publicly traded company, it's a public, you know, it's a public webcast of an earnings call. So I, I. I not necessarily trying to play devil's advocate, but it's like trying to look at it from both sides, right? Of like, from the creative perspective, I'm like, this just sounds like business jargon 101. Like, who cares about content vertical synergistic nonsense? I don't care. I want to know what you're doing with the properties that I care about. On the flip side, I'm like, yeah, it's an earnings call. It's not DC fandom. It's not, you know, I know that they do other investor type of calls where they actually do presentations, and they show the things that they're working on. This is very much just kind of like, here's 15 sheets of paper of how we did, and here's just some business jargon about what we want to do in the future so we can fill our pockets with money and be happy. And I'm like, okay, I get that, but that really doesn't sound good after what you just did in the last week. Right. I mean, as far as a tax write-off goes, sure, $20 million is $20 million, but you've already spent $90 million to make something so yeah. where's the other 70 million going? Like that doesn't seem like a good business expense to me, mm-hmm. but I am not in the business of owning a studio. So I have no I idea what else is going on here, <laughs> but it does seem that there are things at play um, that are just confusing to the consumer. And that yeah. is ultimately the detriment. Like, where does Looney Tunes stand? Like, obviously, they're on a global brand tier, along with, you know, like other 
conglomerate. Listen, another... you were panicking, <laughs> and I, I, I felt like everyone's panicking. I felt like the toy soldiers in in a uh, Toy Story, like reporting back to you on the phone. <laughs> you're like as nervous as Rex, and I was like, I was like Jonathan, like there, uh, and even before this call, I was like, Looney Tunes is such a global franchise for warner brothers that you know like sure there's the the cartoons are on hbo max mm-hmm. um but around the world they're like the most visible i would say mm-hmm. for warner brothers just because yeah. they've just been such a staple um and then there's merchandising and there's like which you know tv channels play it still and and i was like you know i think they're gonna be okay but yeah. obviously there's some very specific hbo max original projects that you know yeah. are definitely in in trouble exactly yeah, let's and- go over the edge of the cliff like wiley coyote <laughs> hopefully not um and speaking of wiley coyote he has a movie in production right now uh mm-hmm. with acme versus coyote and i don't want anything bad to happen to that i do want to theatrical uh, yes that is theatrical thankfully uh, but yeah. when that is not theatrical is the day the earth blew up with porky and daffy starring in that and that is an hbo max original we do not know the outcome but it was a prominent piece of the panel at san diego comic-con so you have to mm. think did this already affect what was shown at the san diego comic-con because even though batgirl was done and in test screenings they didn't show yeah. anything from batgirl in hall h during that wb panel and no, nothing that shows red flags also and i'm i'm so afraid to say this but blue beetle is not getting any sort of press or publicity out there right now and that is also in unknown waters i mean literally there are so many projects that people are really raring to see and batgirl was definitely one of those for me personally i wanted to see michael keaton and um Commissioner Gordon, uh, J.K. Simmons. Simmons, in a movie together. I yeah. just wanted Simmons. to see that. And Leslie Grace, obviously. Oh, I was in Leslie Grace, yes. Yeah, and you know, I I know that at least historically, and of course this is historically because we didn't have a Comic Con that happened after they dropped HBO Max. You know, HBO Max yes. is a brand new platform, even though it's been out for a couple of years now. But prior to that, you know, every presentation in the Hall H for Warner Brothers was Warner Brothers theatrical. So they did DC stuff along with other big studio projects that they're doing, whether there was Mad Max or whatever it was. Fantastic Beasts had a big presence. Fantastic Beasts, yeah. The, the Wizarding World stuff was always big. So, and, and you know, even before that, when they did the Hobbit prequels and all that sort of stuff. So going into Comic-Con this year, yeah, I think it was a massive red flag because if it was me and I'm really excited about the future of DC and I'm trying to protect the brand and build out a 10-year plan and blah, 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 you bring Black Adam, Shazam, Aquaman, Batgirl, Blue Beetle. You bring all of them, regardless if they're on Max or if they're theatrical. Blue Beetle, I think, even though we haven't heard anything about it, primarily because it just finished shooting a couple weeks ago, I think, and you know, who knows what will happen in a week, it is safe for the time being, only because I think late last year they said that they were converting that film to a theatrical release. So I don't know if that means that they went in with more money and maybe upgraded some of the photography upgraded they'll be upgrading some of the visual effects to make it a better more blockbuster quote-unquote blockbuster experience for people but yeah i think when they didn't bring batgirl to hall h i think that that was like why not why would you not and then you know 
what two weeks later we find out that the movie's being canceled you're like oh that explains it that explains it and then you know there's rumors that have not been neither confirmed nor denied that they are going to be moving the release date for movies like shazam and aquaman shazam primarily because they don't want to compete against avatar but if you're going to move that movie back you have to move aquaman because it comes out in march like you're probably not going to put shazam in january just i don't think it would make sense yeah no i agree and you know uh shout out to the director of blue beetle um angel manuel soto and i hope that cast and everybody are doing well and i hope that this actually gets to see the light of day because uh, there's a lot of fan love and appreciation for um you know getting that character to the big screen like there are so mm-hmm. many dc characters that we haven't seen on the big screen yet and that is such a big important part of building a cinematic universe no matter if you're doing it that is a series level or just putting your heroes on screen like that is part of the representation that you want you want more actors to come in and embody these characters not only for kids but also like to uh to have in the real world and for us to reflect on and like see and like you know be entertained by i think it's a big part of that there was another project kevin smith just had a podcast hollywood babylon where he talked about his bizarro superman idea which was in the script phase it was not in production but it had a green light for production and that got canceled yeah, and I found out some more stuff about it today that I can't share yet, but someone will be sharing next week. And there was some stuff that he told me. I was he just talked to Kevin Smith about, and I was like, "Oh my god, how come they didn't? Oh, why? How could they not do this?" But yeah, so it's it's unfortunate to see some of these projects just getting the axe. And I, I don't know if it's been confirmed by CW Warner Brothers that I mean, look what they're doing with the Arrowverse. The Arrowverse is pretty much ending. Yeah, you know, they're going to do one more season of the Flash, condensed thirteen episode season run. You know, I know that, you know, Superman and Lois is still there. It's kind of connected to the Arrowverse, but not really. And then they have other, you know, like multiverse stories, Doom Patrol, Titans. You know, they have Stargirl, which we kind of don't even know what's happening with those things either. Like there's those things are still in limbo, too. So, yeah, I don't really don't know what to expect in the coming months, weeks of all these announcements, like what's going to happen. Absolutely. And I I do want to get into what HBO Max is going to become. It's not going to have that name, but they want that to become a specific thing. And then Mm -hmm. Discovery Plus uh, having its own thing for different, I guess, labels. I don't know. Discovery Max Plus. One of the things that was really disturbing to hear was that Tony Cervoni, he's a big advocate for classic animation. He worked in Looney Tunes a lot. And he had directed the Scoob uh, Holiday Haunt, uh, which was a new animated film that was due out this Christmas. And it got canned, but it didn't get completely canceled. It was just, uh, like, delayed, and we don't have a date for it. Now, I don't know how that works, because the film was done. Uh, They literally put on the last pieces of animation uh, last week. Uh, So now all that happens is the rendering part of it. But they had a scoring session because the money had already been paid to score the film. And that happened literally this week. So, you know, I I don't know how these things are saving people money, but it just feels like as a consumer, as a fan, we're losing out. And I'm afraid that we're going to continue losing out if these things aren't rectified. With... With some of, like, the properties like Scooby-Doo and with um, Looney Tunes, 
there's always been a presence in in home media for them, like just first and foremost. Uh, we saw that with King Tweety, which was released as a home media like on in DVD stores only. first on on DVD <laughs> only. I actually I would like to go in and try to figure out. I don't know, Adam, if you have more context on this, but why mm. does Warner Brothers, Cartoon Network, Looney Tunes, they only release their stuff on DVD. I saw this with, like, for a while. Like, I think the first two seasons of Rick and Morty was just DVD. And Adventure Time, most of those were just DVD while Blu-ray was happening. So it was just, like, the their, like, main go-to is just DVDs to, like, uh, push them out. And we saw that with King Tweety, which it was funny because... We put in the DVD and on the main menu screen, it said King Tweety and HBO Max original. <laughs> and there was no announcement as to when it was going to go on HBO Max, which honestly, that should have been our first red flag. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and, and like the director didn't know when it was going to go on HBO Max, but it was like this weird physical media push for it yeah. uh, before uh, streaming. And, you know, I think with, with Scooby-Doo, like they, they're one of those properties where they might just try to push it out as home video, but who knows? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I have to imagine that the only reason you would go to DVD is only because it costs, I don't know how much less to manufacture that disc, but it is less. But that being said, I really feel like that we should just phase DVDs out completely. Like I think most people at this point have Blu-ray act. Like if you're already collecting physical media, if you're that person, you at least have a Blu-ray player. Like I can't imagine. I I I don't know. Obviously, I don't I don't have the the numbers, but I would imagine that if you are an enthusiast of home media, you probably you may not be at 4K, but you are at least at HD Blu-ray at this point. Like I I don't understand because I even get sometimes from Warner Brothers, I'll get Max Original. I think I just got something that was Aquaman and it was on DVD. Like, why are you sending me something that's in an inferior quality to what's on your streaming platform? Are you that desperate? Like, I already have the subscription service. Why would you just not make a Blu-ray of this? Like, I really don't understand. But the thing that's also interesting about these projects is because they're being written off, written as a tax write-off, you cannot do anything with the project. You can't right. put it on Blu-ray. You can't put it on streaming. You cannot sell it. So these projects will be in a vault forever until Ryan Reynolds breaks in and gets them out of there. <laughs> That's the true tragedy of this is that there's yeah. really great work in here. Brendan Fraser is in this movie as Firefly and we've heard from yeah. the cast and crew that he does an amazing job as this villain yeah. and no one's ever going to see it. Right. There's so much that goes into making a film as yeah. a filmmaker myself and as, as a panel of filmmakers, we know how much goes into making a film. It's hard work. It's a lot of planning and, you know, you have to get everything right for it to make sense on the screen. And for them to just pull the yeah. plug like this is completely unfair to all of the creatives, all of the totally different pieces of the crew that came together to yep. make this happen. Yeah. And, and it honestly, if like, it's the double standards that really, like, annoy me about these situations where they're like, oh, it's because we don't think we'll make the budget back. It, it, it was made at this budget. And, you know, what movie would make that money back at a near budget? And I think, you know, the Joker has, like, a similar budget to yeah. Batgirl. And it was like, you you put your faith in that. Like, it kind of is, it feels very transparent as to why they are not putting, mm -hmm. you know, why they're backing these movies it also just um, sounds like complete BS to me because yeah. I don't look, I don't think it 
I don't think it matters whether the movie was made for streaming or for theatrical. That movie, Batgirl, regardless of its budget, regardless of what platform it was made for, that movie could have very easily gone theatrical. Come on. Oh, yeah. It's got Batman. It's got Batgirl. It's got Commissioner Gordon. It's a DC property. Like, Superman and Lois is good enough quality that if you put it in a theater, like if you ran it as a theatrical limited run, it looks really good. Like, it's mastered in 4K. The visual effects are top quality. The sound design, the score, it's all there. So to try to say, like, we didn't feel like it met the standard of of what we consider a DC blockbuster. I'm like, come on, give me a break. You guys have, and again, I say you guys, they inherited this movie from the previous regime, so I get it. But in general, they put out, you know, and this is not just DC, this is Marvel, DC, Star Wars. They've all put out movies, shows that are in such varying levels of quality that to pin it on this one to say, this is not the one I'm like, give me a break. Come on. That's silly. So apparently Walter and Jurassic world got to be in theaters. (laughs) Yeah, Come on. (laughs) So apparently Walter Hamada was in a screening of black Adam, a test screening. And he left when he heard that the, the Batgirl movie had been canceled and mm-hmm. he also threatened to leave the company, but he has now decided to stay on through the release of Black Adam and also Aquaman. Yeah. I, I'm just wondering if CEOs at this level don't know what's happening. Where, like, where's the hierarchy here and who's calling the shots? The because... Rock. The hierarchy, the hierarchy of power is about to shift in the DC universe. That's what he says, at least. <laughs> That's true. Um, because if it's just David Zaslav, I'm really worried because Kevin Smith also pointed out that he was brought into CNN right before Mm -hmm. CNN plus launched and Mm -hmm. he stopped it from launching because he saw it as a big waste of money. And Mm -hmm. if he's just a numbers guy, I feel very worried about the Warner brothers IP going forward under his regime. Uh, He's taking aggressive steps to course. Correct. I CNN plus is, It's an interesting one for me because even I, first of all, I personally would have not necessarily invested into CNN Plus just because I'm like, I don't really understand what the platform's for. Sure. But maybe, maybe he saw the same thing because I don't think the, I don't think the numbers for CNN Plus were good when it launched. Like, in my opinion, I think you make CNN Plus a part of HBO Max, but just its own like breakout brand. I don't know if you necessarily needed to make a whole brand new streaming service for it. But right. that's just me. So, like, in some ways, I kind of understand maybe where he was coming from with that. But with the other stuff, I'm like, oh, man, it kind of seems like you might be leaning or maybe favoring the Discovery Plus side of your <laughs> of your CEO-ness a little bit too much. Exactly. And maybe you're not playing fair here. It was. It's wild. It, I feel like Bob Chapek is having a really great two weeks right now because uh, <laughs> it's the best two weeks he'll ever have. Let me tell you. Yeah, he's taking a, a good two weeks so far of uh, not having the target on his head. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a time! What a time to be a CEO of these global corporations Yowza. of entertainment. So I, I did want to transition into talking about the, the slide that they pu- pulled up. Um, there were two. Uh, the first one is talking about the global powerhouses under the hmm. HBO Max slash Warner Brothers and Discovery Plus branding. Right. So the big brands are HBO, Discovery. Notice how they put those two directly next to each other. When has <laughs> Discovery ever been a big brand? 
<laughs> I do not know. I mean, like uh, sure, that's a great like, question. I, I a lot of people I don't confuse think I, it for National Geographic. <laughs> yeah, I truthfully I don't Sharply. watch Discovery at all. But they're pro- it's yeah. I don't I, I don't know. I don't know. It's a great question. I don't know. And then they had CNN in here, so they clearly have stake in CNN, and they could yeah. do exactly what you're saying, where they had CNN plus be a part of one of these two new avenues of in of no they're purchase two consolidating into one yeah in next year yeah okay. the plan the way that they described it was basically they're taking the technology of the discovery plus app and applying it to both libraries of content from hbo and from discovery so because okay. i know you were, you were talking about the the hbo max user interface yeah i don't think it's bad but I don't think it does a good enough job highlighting just how much variety of stuff it has. Okay. Because when you look at Warner Brothers, they do own a ton of stuff. Yes, they do. They, they probably have one of the most vast libraries in, in the industry, period. But I don't know if HBO Max necessarily has does a really good job highlighting that. I think something that Disney Plus does that I think does really well at the top of the at the top of the interface, no matter what app you go on or what browser you go on, at the very top it says marvel star wars national geographic you know what else do they have pixar whatever it does a really good job letting you know exactly the type of stuff that they have whereas with hbo max it's buried in a sidebar at the bottom like tell me at the top dc turner classic movies you know cnn like let me see all the stuff that you have so then i can look at and go oh damn they actually have a ton of stuff i really should explore this so i think i think if they like recataloged a lot of the stuff that they have and made it just a little bit clear all the brands that they own under Warner Brothers. And I think also just calling it HBO Max maybe wasn't the best call. Like they maybe should have called it Warner Brothers. WB something. Discovery. That's true. You know, yeah, WB plus. something. The naming has always been a part of contention. And yeah. as far as the the branding goes. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that, yeah, I'm having a feeling they're going to go somewhere in that direction. It should be like Discover Warner Brothers. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but as far as the branding goes, I, I do get that you want to have the clickable brands and for it to like channel out from there. But I kind of do like the. I hate it. I like will scroll on there and I'm just like, I don't know what to watch. Goodbye. They. <laughs> you are lazy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, even for me, like, you know, like when I, if I go to it, if I literally go to it right now and, you know, I want to watch something DC related, it's either going to be in the for you section, just added if it's something DC related, or I have to hunt for it. I'm like, where, 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 where? <laughs> Popular movies. Oh, the Batman's on there. Cool. I can click through Batman and then get to DC stuff through there. But to just have a place where I can just click DC and it's all alphabetized and then has breakouts of like animation, live action, movies, series. You can do character based if you wanted to. You'd like there's so many things that you can do. And every time I look at this app, I'm just like, can I organize this for you? I will do it for you for free. I will do it for you and categorize it as a comic book person and you can have it for free. Just let me do it, please. I will concede my point, Adam. You've changed my mind. <laughs> yeah. And just like the way that special features are hard to find, literally for all of them, uh Jonathan and I watched um Little Shop of Horrors, like a while back and there was like a whole thing where we wanted to watch the alternate ending right so we couldn't just go find the alternate ending mm-hmm. we literally had to click over a different tab find the director's cut of little shop mm-hmm. we had to play it and then fast forward all the way to the end to watch the alternate ending 
And I was like, These, this was too many steps. Disney Plus also had Woof. something similar to where Woof. they have the, um, the cut song from The Muppets Christmas Carol. And you literally have to like exit out of the movie when you know the song's going to happen. And then... Go find the special features, go watch the cutscene, and then exit, watch it, and then exit all the way back, and then exit in, and then go back into the movie, and then continue watching it. That's our own shouldn't special be that hard, folks. It should not be that hard. <laughs> Good lord. This is why I buy physical media. Good I lord. Gonna, I was going to say, the, the, in, the ingenuity that goes into making a Blu-ray menu and special features oh, needs, sweet to, baby. needs to really be looked at and examined and brought over into the streaming services. Because yeah. you, you look at Netflix and you're like, okay, great. There's a movie here or there's a TV show. And I have no clue as to what extras are on this. And nor do I care. Like if I go looking for extras in Netflix, I know it's going to be next to zilch because mm-hmm. they, they're not promoting that. And even with digital downloads, I was trying to show my immigrant parents everything ever all at once, which we have a digital copy of. And I put it on for them. There are no Spanish subtitles. Yeah, that's, that's pretty absurd. What? Crazy. So, all right. So back to this slide. Um <laughs> Let's move away from trashing their <laughs> interface and uh... <laughs> HBO, Discovery, CNN, HGTV, Cartoon Network, D- DC, and Looney Tunes. That those are their big brands. Okay, checks out. <laughs> HGTV, checks out. what? <laughs> well, I mean, know, it's huge. I get it, but yeah, okay, yeah. It seems like it's a whole big Middle America thing with with that sort of thing. Probably. Yeah, and you know what? In it's that, and I think it's also just for them to be like, it's for them to basically even out the playing field. Because if you look at that chart, most of that stuff is all owned by Warner Brothers. So imagine if they only put Discovery, be like, well, what's Discovery really bringing to the table? Well, we got to put something else on there. Uh, l- let's put HGTV on there because everybody watches HGTV, which I'm sure a lot of people do. So I get it, but I'm sure it, it has more to do with like, we kind of have to balance the scale to make it look like we're bringing something to the table. Because right. we're going to talk about some of these franchises that they have. And my Lord. <laughs> let's get let's get into it. So franchises. I'm mad that there there is no Flavortown franchise. <laughs> <laughs> there should be, especially on this slide. Uh, so <laughs> I, again, how is this translated across, you know, like what we're going to be experiencing with this new platform? I have no idea, but yeah. it's scary. Okay. So Batman, Warner brothers, Superman. Okay. Those are franchises. Sure. But also, uh, Aquaman is a franchise. That's not on here. Shazam is now a franchise. That's not on here. I, what are we doing? I don't know. Uh, so discovery shark week. Shark Week's a, Shark Week is a done franchise. Game cool. of Thrones, ninety day fiance universe. I had no idea it was its own universe. <laughs> and it's, then the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. It's crazy to me that they have ninety day fiance listed as a quote unquote universe, <laughs> but they have Batman, Wonder Woman, and no, Superman individually. And I'm like, <laughs> you couldn't have just put like DC multiverse, DC universe, sure. like. We, we, we turn a universe into something like that, but not the other things. That, okay, okay. To, to, and barely to their defense. Barely to their defense. <laughs> Nine Day Fiance, I don't watch it. I don't care for it. I have no interest in watching it. You know, if it's playing in the background somewhere at a friend's house or whatever, sure, I might take a glance. I don't care about that show. No. But they do have like 
five different versions of that show. They have like the show itself. They have like reaction reaction versions of the show where people watch the things that are happening and commentate on it. And then they have like spinoff versions. So like it is in some ways a franchise. Is it a universe in the, in the sense that we're kind of used to talking about universes? I don't know about that. It's on the same level as Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. I don't know about that. But again, it's like, we got to even out the playing field. We got to make it look like discoveries bring something to the table. Again, I'm going to talk about the King of Flavortown here. He's that Flavortown (laughs) is, is a franchise because he has like the chicken guy show. He has the Guy Fieri's like grocery, like race. He has like grocery games. Like dives, dines. I can't. I can't say these right. I, I feel like I have failed him. Um, <laughs> but but there's so many shows under the Guy Fieri, you know, hat. Yeah. <laughs> that I'm like that, that makes more sense as a universe because it already has had so many spinoffs for so many years. <laughs> like, and honestly, I have heard of him. So yeah um 90 day fiance i haven't really heard of which you know apparently i'm supposed to have because that's in the uh the oh. female the female leading oh my god the side female of, skewing side of it yeah skewing side of things. oh my god it's, it, but it is nuts though i think last year there was an article that came out that 90 day was the second highest viewed cable show or something wow. number it was second and i was like <laughs> what it had like over two it's like 2.2 million viewers or something like that. I, I don't even know. But yeah, it was it was huge. There's like a whole article on Forbes about that. It was crazy when I looked that up. So I'm like, okay, I'll give it to him. I think it's absolute trash. But hey, I'm not the demographic for it. Like, you know, I'd rather watch the Fieri Flavortown universe. Give it to me. <laughs> the Fieri Flavortown is uh, diners, drive-ins, dives. Yeah, flavor verse guys grocery games guys big bite celebrity cook-off guys big project and ultimate recipe showdown so yeah good lord i don't know how those shows do in comparison to 90 day fiance but i'm with you adam i'd rather watch that so moving on we have iconic series and characters again it's really funny to see where discovery shows up in this yeah also also guy fieri shows up in this we'll give him a series <laughs> so friends obviously fixer upper okay the big bang theory property brothers diners drive-ins and dives sex in the city so yes some of those are big but again iconic series and characters no <laughs> no 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 <laughs> well, there's a lot of there were a lot of comments about this because you know a lot of people are like this feels like this feels like this was made by someone from the 90s and i'm like you have to understand something though friends is probably one of the most re-watched shows on streaming oh yeah the netflix numbers were huge for that thing like mm. people lost their mind when they pulled it from netflix and they moved it i think it was what temporarily on peacock before it went to hbo max or something like that i think there yeah. was like some there was some gap in between people lost their mind so I'm not surprised that it's under iconic series and characters. If people constantly are binge watching these shows, it's going to drive up the numbers. So if I'm the business person, I look at that and I go, oh, this is one of the most streamed things that we offer. 
Therefore, it must be one of the most popular things. Therefore, it elevates it to another level. So I'm not really surprised that it has some of these shows that are older, more dated. I'm not surprised because if you binge it, they'll put it on here. Absolutely. That one I I have no qualms with. It is the Fixer Upper Property Brothers. Yeah, (laughs) it's the Discovery (laughs) stuff that you're like, What? What are you talking about? It's always the discovery stuff. <laughs> it's all okay. the discovery. The Big Bang Theory is like huge. Like there are people yeah. that still like just have that on as comfort food. And Sex and the City just had another spinoff series. So like it is still in the zeitgeist. It's still popular. Will Kim Cattrall come back? Like people want to know. I don't want to know, but people want to know. Yeah. <laughs> He's not coming back. <laughs> I'm done. And then we have international TVN, Eurosport, Discovery Kids, DMAX, Nove, and TV Norge. So congratulations if you're a fan of those. Yeah. <laughs> I've never heard of them because I'm domestic. I'm not international. That's right. they, they have miscategorized Flavortown because that is <laughs> I will die on this hill. How dare you not put It'll that on the a- brand's franchises and iconic series? <laughs> Das love. You have treated Guy Fieri <laughs> incorrectly. <laughs> he will come at you. Okay. So, yeah, overall, that is a really bizarre powerhouse of brands and IP that they listed out there. Why things are separated from other things like DC and, like, I don't know, Looney Tunes and Cartoon Network. I understand that they're different. But again, why do we need both of those on brands? I don't know mm-hmm. why Cartoon Network isn't a franchise. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how this works. Well, the DC the DC thing kind of makes sense to me, though, because DC is the brand that houses all the characters. Okay. And then Batman yes. is the franchise that builds out the shows, the movies, the comic books. The Cartoon Network, Looney Tunes thing, yeah, that, that is a little bit strange, but I guess, like, you can kind of look at it the same way as, like, Cartoon Network houses the, the you know, the cartoons. Looney Tunes houses the characters. Sure. So, like, I guess Bugs Bunny would be a franchise. Daffy Duck would be a franchise. I don't know. Like, it, it's kind of weird because yeah. they're not really building franchises out of individual Looney Tunes characters. They're using kind of like the whole brand. So, it's, yeah, it's weird. I don't know. Yeah. And also, we need a 10 page paper on this. <laughs> well, shouldn't Suicide Squad also be in the franchises? Like, yeah, I mean, a whole lot of money. I, w- I would imagine that under franchises when they put the three heroes i think they're probably just putting those three because they are sort of like the pillars that represent dc but i would imagine if you were to break it down even further you would have you know all the ones that have done well on every level whether it's comic books movies television so i think it would be a little bit more expansive they would more than likely look at just like the ones that have done the best financially theatrically so you'd have things like joker aquaman shazam suicide squad they probably would even put Harley Quinn on there as her own franchise, honestly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's actually surprising not to see it. But yeah. I guess they filled their quota with three. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so moving on, we have another slide that says unique and complimentary. And this is a breakdown Oof. of how they're seeing the HBO Max, I guess, platform and Discovery Plus platform and how they want to, I guess, merge the two. So. This is this was my confusion. So Dis- Discovery Plus already exists. Right. Is Discovery Plus also going away and there's just yes. going to be one? Okay. Yes. Okay. yes. That was a little confusing to me. So, yeah, they're so gonna, they're for the rest of take... this year, it's going to be but there going to be two separate services. Right. And they're going to start consolidating them 
end of this year to mid next year. Yeah. So they're going to start the way they described it was the platforms are going to start sharing content. Okay. So some stuff from CNN will spill over into both platforms. Some stuff from discovery will spill into both, you know, cause I mean, they do have, they do have some things that are kind of interchangeable. You know, you look at something like um, what is the Stanley Tucci show searching for Italy that okay. can really work on both platforms because, you know, it is kind of a discovery thing where it's a little bit more of like, um, some international stuff, some some more like docuseries stuff, but then it also works on Max because there is like a storytelling element to it. And Stanley Tucci is more known as like an actor who works in film and television. Right. So I think like th there's some cross pollination, but yeah, I think they said in the summer of 2023 is when they're going to launch the brand new join service, whatever the heck it's going to be called, and then it'll have everything. Gotcha. This is why I had to have both of you on here to, you know, explain <laughs> it to the listeners and also myself because it's really confusing. Yeah. So they they broke it down as far as I guess a marketing standpoint where Good there's going to be a male skew for HBO Max or the H like okay how is this broken down so like they have HBO Max on here but I guess that's going to go away and they're just going to yeah, be a so combined. Male this is basically this is what I would imagine is their is what like they their quote unquote data analytics have told them how these two platforms perform. So they're saying HBO Max skews more towards men while Discovery Plus skews more towards women, which I'm like that is such nonsense. That is such nonsense. Like, nonsense. That is the massive red flag about this slide. It's such this, an archaic form of yeah. relegating these like entities These platforms of are built for different people i'm like no they're yeah. not they're built for everyone yeah. what are you talking yeah, for about everyone. oh my gosh and it's so antiquated from like marketing as like it's something yes. that's like carried through like most divisions of entertainment that it just yeah it, nobody ugh. would have had a problem with this slide if you literally just removed the top line <laughs> like i know some people were saying like what the heck is genre dumbs and i'm like okay that i can explain to you but like male skew, female skew, I'm like, why, why, like, why even like, why label them like that? They like, I think that honestly, that is the one thing that I feel like is the unifier of the two apps is the fact that they're made for everybody. They're made yeah. for any flavor of interest that you have. They have such a variety of content that, you know, if you like Shark Week or you like, you know, certain types of movies or whatever, like there's so much stuff there's there for you. Like so haunted house and like haunted like exploring ghosts on Discovery. Plus. Yeah. So to like to break the platforms apart like that by gender, I'm like, that is so that is the most like you were saying, archaic part of this whole presentation. Like everything else, I'm like, eh, it's marketing nonsense, like whatever. You know, and, I can let it go. But and it looks Lord. even worse when like optically you know you have those two like things that just have caught like attention and mm -hmm. also we're getting rid of batgirl but we're keeping peacemaker you know yeah yeah it's, exactly the last and i time, love peacemaker but does not look good the last time we let an algorithm take our souls and take over a streaming platform they kidnapped an all-star ba basketball player and had him play for his son uh, so like we should have learned from this we got help me <laughs> <laughs> oh my god um so continuing down um there's scripted and unscripted again i guess that that's all media so like yeah, literally like, we're just okay, looking at this and like, all what? media <laughs> lean in lean back 
I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. You want butthole clenching or lean back on the couch? I'm like, whatever. Like, give me a break. Appointment viewing or comfort viewing. Where's Barry fall into that? Because like, I feel like Barry is the perfect comfort like, viewing. in between. Because like, I don't see Barry as appointment viewing, but I know a lot of people that do. And so, you know, and, but and that's what I think is so funny because HBO Max. I don't know if it varies by series. And I don't know if like some shows are released on a weekly slate, some shows are released all at once or whatever the case may be. But when I meet people who are fans of Nine Day Fiance, that is some appointment viewing if I've ever seen it. It's like, <laughs> yo, this show's on at eight. You get your biscuits to the couch, get some snacks. We're watching this. I'm like, for Barry, you're like, yeah, I'll catch it. You know, it's on after eight. Oh, I'll just, I'll, I'll just chill and watch it whenever. I'm like, right? okay. I'm like, I don't know. Well, this this slide is very see, suspect. I did see like people on Twitter for like the last few weeks of Barry's most recent season, like yeah. being on there and talking about it as soon as it aired. Yeah. Euphoria was a big one too for appointment viewing and succession. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I and I definitely think that both platforms have that going for them. So again, I think I think this slide just proves like this was such a um old school marketing. Yeah you know, earnings call type of a slide that I'm like, ugh, gross. You could have just left this whole thing out. Why? What was there? It didn't add anything of value. It didn't add anything publicly of value to your company. And also like for the investor, who's going to look at this and go like, oh, where the investment, like this whole presentation of just this slide could have been done so differently to really reel people in to make it feel like, oh, here's a good reason why we're merging these things together. This to me, I was just like, what? Okay, I don't care. Yeah, this doesn't feel QC'd at all. Um, there's no, no uh, you know, it's it seems like somebody had ultimate power, and they were just like, this is what it is, and yeah. let's just give them that. Um, and another thing they said was that they're working on a free ad support model for streaming as well, and mm-hmm. we're going to hear about more of that in the future. I'm just like... I don't care. Oh my god. Um, I don't want it. I'm going to pay whatever extra I have to. Just so I don't have to have ads, because that's the whole point of a streaming service, in my opinion. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's frustrating when Hulu has ads, um, but uh, I digress. So that is basically where we're at, and we don't have a whole lot of answers. We know that there's been a whole lot of layoffs, and there will be a continued amount of layoffs, so I really feel Mm -hmm. bad for all of the people working on these HBO Max originals right now. Please save Harley Quinn, whoever, come in and like swoop in, save that show. There's a lot of really talented people that are working in this industry and working on these new avenues of media platforms such as HBO Max. And to have that just pulled out from under us is a huge detriment, not only to creative voices that we haven't heard from before, but also to new voices that could be up and coming that we are in desperate need of. And I just, I, I don't know if there's a silver lining here, but as I go on and wax poetically about media and streaming services, I can only hope that there is somebody that has a sensible mind about them that comes in and tells David Zaslav that this is not the way and that we need to switch to something that is not a copycat of something else and make their own path that doesn't, you know, uh, plow over what has already been built. Yeah. You know, like, a company that I'm a really big fan of is Blumhouse. They yeah. have found a way to 
kind of maximize their dollar when it comes to their budgets. You know, like they don't go, I think $10 million is the absolute maximum they will spend on a movie. Um, maybe some movies they've kind of, you know, bent that line a little bit, but I think five to 10 is kind of their max. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, you don't want to spend $70 million on a movie for HBO max. Fine. Still allow the opportunity, like you're saying for new up and coming diverse filmmakers to come in, have an opportunity to tell their story. If you don't want to give them a $70 million budget to make a movie, then like give them 10, give them 15, make it for streaming. Exactly. Let them have the ability to, you know, still tell their story in a different way for a streaming platform. You know, I know that there's always a lot of these conversations around, well, I want, I want to make movies for the movie theater. I don't want to make movies for streaming. Mm. Totally fair. Like I totally understand that. I would personally like, I would personally almost take not any opportunity, but if the opportunity is make something for streaming, if it does really well and it's really well received, let's talk about it in the future doing something else, sure. you know, and just kind of like work your way through. Um, there's obviously different ways of doing that. Like you can just go the theatrical route if you can find the funding and all that stuff. But yeah, I don't want HBO Max or whatever the new service becomes to completely eliminate any type of original programming that's just built for that platform. I don't want it to just be series. I would love to continue seeing original films for the platform. And again, they don't have to be super expensive. If the story's good and the script is good and the direction's good, then like, I don't care if it's 10, $15 million. As long as it's a really good story, then I don't think it should matter. So I do hope that there still continues to be opportunities for the people who are already have been working on these shows and on these movies to be able to stay and to pivot to something else instead of just getting rid of everybody. Cause I feel like that, that is just such a like loss of talent. Yeah. The Laura Condor uh, film moonshot was really cute and really good. And I don't know why, but they're removing these original movies completely off the platform. And like, where are they going to go? There's no physical exactly. copy. Like yeah, father I... of the bride is still on there, but who knows for how long. And I thought that was a really good, like, watch honestly mm -hmm. you know and i agree with what everyone is saying you know um adil and arby and bilal fala who are the directors of batgirl incredible filmmakers you know they had like the highest grossing film of 2020 mm -hmm. one of the only movies that came out but you know bad boys for life and then they you know really set a standard for action in uh, miss marvel mm -hmm. and you know, I was really excited to see this background movie because I'm yeah. like, they're very solid. Leslie Grace is incredible. Like the ensemble that they had supporting, I was excited to see. And um, I hope someone pulls a Gendy and just like <laughs> leaks the movie. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't know if you all saw that uh, he leaked the entirety of his uh, Popeye um, yeah. uh, boards, the boarded yeah. version of the movie. Mm -hmm. You know, the animatics. Yeah, that he was doing um, it, that he was making at Sony, I think. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. And, you know, so. if creatives they take it upon themselves to do it, the, like, just their art needs to be seen. Like, that is yeah. the whole point of making art, is for it to be seen. Yeah. And there's so many shows I'm worried about because, like, I love Our Flag Means Death. That's one where mm -hmm. I'm just like, please make sure that that one, you know, continues on. And then. I'm also like, if that gets pulled at some point, like, where can I buy the season? Because I would buy the season for that. Totally. And we had an announcement not that long ago that it was actually renewed for a season two. Season mm -hmm. two, yeah. 
that that I think is the most frustrating thing to me. You know, I, I am someone who collects a lot of physical media. Like I will buy if I love something, I will buy the DVD, Blu-ray, 4K version, whatever whatever's available. It is so frustrating to me now with all these streaming services. You know, they're originals. They're not putting them on physical media as much because they want to pull you into the streaming service. I don't care if it's on streaming. Like, give me the option. Just because, just because I buy Stranger Things or because I buy Barry or because I buy Peacemaker on Blu-ray, it doesn't mean that I'm all of a sudden going to cancel the service. I'm still going to have the service so I can watch it on the streaming platform first. But then I still also want to own it because, yeah, if it goes away, you know, like I want to be able to watch this thing. Then when these things just disappear, it's like I don't even have the opportunity to do that because you've completely removed it from existence. And it's it's I don't know. It's so just it's not ideal. It's totally not ideal. And I wish that, you know, maybe if they didn't decide to put Batgirl or the Scooby-Doo film or there was, I think, one other project that they were working on out on the streaming service at least allow me the opportunity to have a made on demand Blu-ray version. I'll pay you the 30, 40 bucks to own the damn thing. Just give me that opportunity. You know, I'll pay for it. I don't care. Like, why not? You already made it. You already made the movie. It'd be one thing if they were like the, like the wonder twins, I think it was a show Mm -hmm. where they hadn't even started production yet. Okay. You canceled the show before it even rolled one, you know, one minute of tape. Fine. That's fine. But Batgirl and the Scooby-Doo thing, they were pretty much done. Yeah. Why? It's such a waste. And I've even heard that they're removing some of this other stuff because they're like partial tax write-offs. So I'm like, well, what else are you guys going to remove then? <laughs> like, could you remove, you know, other things that have been Max Originals? Like, you know, they they gave Zack Snyder $70 million to finish Justice League. Are you going to pull that and make that a partial tax write-off? That movie already exists on Blu-ray and it already exists, you know, on other digital streaming services. How does that work? You know, same thing like you guys are saying about some of the shows that they're going to, that they may potentially cancel. I don't know. It, it just, it's so messy and it's so tricky. And I think in the end of the day, the people that suffer most are the creators and the people that worked on it. And that, that sucks because you shouldn't have to spend so much time pouring your heart into something and then it never comes to fruition yeah absolutely and not just that though but like oh they're consolidating all these things to like make more money then why are some of like the actors and creatives who are working on these shows being pushed to the limit in working Uh, i recently read an article where sydney sweeney who is one of the lead actresses in euphoria for example was basically saying that because of streaming they don't get residuals and you know you see stars like sydney sweeney and um zendaya like booking all of these movies and 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 like sydney sweeney was like yeah we're booking all this work because we don't get residuals so we have to constantly keep working to maintain income so if they're gonna shake up the industry like then give talent what they're worth and let them in on that cash flow yeah i mean and i think i think the previous regime at warner brothers kind of really destroyed a lot of relationships that way because you know they took their entire 2020 slate and they moved it all to hbo max and you had people like patty jenkins gal gadot you know i mean they basically ruined their their relationship with christopher nolan because of that because he was like no I'm not going to let you put this movie on streaming. I just will not allow it. And so they destroyed a lot of relationships that way because a lot of this talent was like, well, if you're going to put it on streaming, like you can't do that and not compensate us extra for that. Like that's absolutely insane. So I think that goes, you know, double for the people who are on the shows. 
you know, if they're yeah. on a show, because, you know, I've had people even ask me, ask me that question of like, how does that all work? You know, obviously you get a salary, some sort of a payment for being on the thing, but residually, how does that work? Because theatrically it makes sense. People go to the movie theaters and they buy tickets for your specific film. Then you get a back end profit on whatever that makes. How does that work when people sign up for a streaming service that has hundreds of things? How do you analyze, like, do you analytically go in and just analyze what that show does? How do you put a monetary value on a, on a view? You know, like how does all those things break down? I don't know. That's like way above my pay grade, but I think these people yeah. should in some way, shape or form be compensated for all that. Bugs Bunny Absolutely. needs all of his carrots. That's right. <laughs> Give him the carrots. Give it to him. He deserves it. 100% agree. And we can only hope that they, that there is some sort of, you know, ground that we are able to find ourselves on as far as creators and, you know, people who want to create, people who want to act, people who want to be a part of these projects and not be, you know, side saddled and like thrown to the river uh, after their thing comes out and there's nothing to have left, uh, you know, that, that would just be terrible. So on that note, Adam, where can people find you online? Uh, my social media is very easy because I am lazy and didn't feel like creating something. So it's just my name, Adam Hobbit <laughs> on Twitter, Instagram, all social media. And uh, you can find me on YouTube under Heroes Reforged with my good friends Hector Navarro and Augustine Rios talking about superhero movies, TV shows, all kinds of stuff. Fantastic channel. Highly recommend it. Sabina, where Thank can you. people find you online? People can find me online at io9. I'm a writer over there and I talk about all these things every day. Um, on social, at Sabina has no R for Twitter and at Going Cool Places on Instagram. I kind of put a lot of just pop culture themed experiences and events over there that uh, we adventure to. Uh, with a lot of Halloween content coming up and I'm really excited for it. And I'm also a part of Halloween Never Dies, a Halloween franchise retrospective, which will be coming back around the time of Halloween ends, which I, I do not believe it'll end. That's just my theory. <laughs> it never ends. No one can kill Michael Myers. <laughs> no. And you can follow the podcast over at Twitter on OFC, This Means Pod, and This Means Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And I want to thank my panelists for being on this show. Thank you so much, Adam and Sabina, for talking to me about this Discovery WB merger that's having us all scratch our heads. Unprecedented. <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully we come out of the woods a bit more knowledgeable and hopeful. Uh, that, is my, that is my goal. So, as always, that's not all, folks. Keep it right here for more updates. Now, I say cut that out. What's it all about, boy? Elucidate. I'm a chicken hawk, and you're my victim. Are you going to come quiet, or do I have to muss you up? Chicken hawk? <laughs> you're going at it all wrong, son. You're just a beginner. you got to start small and work up. You can't start at the top. Pay attention, son. Now get one nearer your size, a little one first. Now run along, boy. Nice kid, but he's getting too big for his britches.